This is Fantasy Reboot Podcast, where me and my friends attempt to recast some of the world's favourite films. Here's how it works. We'll choose various characters and all suggest actors to play those parts. We'll then discuss, argue and possibly murder each other until a decision is made. At the end of each recording, we'll open it up to you via our Twitter account, at Fantasy Reboot. You can email us, fantasyreboot at gmail.com. If you're not already liking and subscribing, please do. Give us a five-star rating. We love that. On with the show. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can't do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first Christmas special. Yes. I'm the only one who wore a Christmas jumper. Oh, if I'd known. I feel like a right idiot now. We've, we've had mince pies and mulled wine, though. Yeah, you haven't you? So tasty. Laura suggested that I did an alcohol-free one for me, being off the booze. Why would you drink that drink? I mean, it's horrible. It's, it's like, horrible. It's like diesel. So you don't like mince pies, though, so no, your no, no, opinion no. should not be taken. This shouldn't be involved with Christmas, them two things. Mince pies are a staple. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not had, Christmas without a mince pie, is it? No. If they had proper mincing, I'd be happy. We're rowing already, <laughs> and I'm a vegetarian. It's going to be veggie mince. <laughs> um, so it is our first Christmas special today. Big film coming up today, and a great discussion. But before that, we are going to do last week's results, Laura, from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, by the way, it's Laura, it's Leo. Hello. It's Roger. Hello. And it's me, Simon. So here we go, Laura. Results. First character was The Wicked Witch, originally played by Margaret Hamilton. In here, we went with, unusually, Roger's suggestion. It was a great start. Don't, don't <laughs> expect a lot of that today. <laughs> there go for it. I can't even remember. Eva Green. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Eva Green. yeah. Oh, that was a good call, though. Great yeah, call. Yeah, I think we're all pretty happy with that. Mm. The Haley's Comet of Roger calls that. It only comes around once every <laughs> 78 years. <laughs> but it was brilliant. Lit up the sky. The public agreed with oh, you. Oh, oh, my gosh. Like the public know me, and I know the, I know the public. <laughs> Ching. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the public now. Mm. Yeah. She won with 36%. Good innings. Mm. Anne Hathaway. Well, that's not a very big percentage, actually. No. Watch it. Just no, but see were... what yours got. Wait. That's almost one of your losing percentages. <laughs> <laughs> Anne Hathaway and Adele Dazeem. Is that, is that her name? Yep. <laughs> Adina Menzel. They came joint second with 24%. So that was, uh, was that you, Leo, and myself? Mm-hmm. And Simon, your choice of Angelina Jolie. Got. 16%. Shunned by the public. I thought she came second. It's about time too. Although she's on 16%, but they're still counting in Pennsylvania. Now that, <laughs> what you're all going to be thinking there as you listen to this at the start of December is, well, that's a bit of a data joke, isn't it? I'm recording it while they're still counting. They're still counting. Yeah. It's in the past. They probably will still be counting then. <laughs> okay, so, well, I did far worse than I thought I did on that. All right, character number two. Cowardly Lion. Originally played by Bert Lahr. All good suggestions in here. We had James Corden from Leo. Good. Simon, you went with Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. And Roger and I got double trouble with Zach Galifianakis. Yes. All righty. But it's about the public. Yeah, all right. Let's see. The public, Roger, didn't agree with what us. What do they know? Oh. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I thought you'd won it. <laughs> Leo. Your Man. choice of James Corden got 44%. Oh, it's well, good. little face. It's I good. have a choice. I think that's a great call. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I like all three suggestions. Simon, you came last again. Good. I just wanted to get that in there. Excellent. <laughs> Why are you picking on me? I've not even done anything. <laughs> Tall poppy syndrome. It's fat poppy syndrome. <laughs> Wide poppy syndrome. <laughs> okay, next up we had Tin Man, originally played by Jack Haley. Very mixed in here. We had... Brett McKenzie, 
Channing Tatum, which I don't Random. know. What, yeah, Roger was thinking. <laughs> he is made of tin in real life. So he doesn't even have to act. He's acting his. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Simon, you went with Benedict Cumberbatch and I went with John Barrowman. We went with Brett McKenzie, which was <laughs> Leo's choice. It's pronounced Brit. Brit McKenzie. As you know, I was not happy about this. Boys, you Well, all... Laura went off on this for days. Yeah. Because what happens here after is you will leave, Roger, but we all live in the same house. And um, there's about a four-hour debrief after every <sighs> podcast. That's why you get oh. straight in car. <laughs> and Laura ranted and ranted and ranted. And then um, we put a picture of Brett McKenzie up and she went, that's not him. And she thought it was Jermaine Clement, oh, the other oh, half right, of Flight okay. of the Concord. Yeah. Who is even cooler, in my opinion, but she thinks he's an idiot. No, he's the worst one. Oh, he's so good. (laughs) He's so good. So go on. Where are we at here now? So the public put Brett in third place with 17%. Mm. My choice of John Barrowman was second. Fabulous. (laughs) 29%. And the public winner was... It's got to be Channing Tatum. Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) 46%, Simon. Well done. No duck. (laughs) <laughs> Next up, we had the one she'll miss most of all, Scarecrow, originally played by Ray Bolger. In here, we went with my choice of Mackenzie Crook. Yeah. I think you were all okay about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I turned him down. Just because he'd done Wurzel, I turned him down. Because yeah. I was going to have him with me Ricky Gervais. But. Well, the public agreed and he got a massive 62%. Good, so. good. I think... And that's a winning result, Roger. In the 60s. In the 30s. You shouldn't even be celebrating. (laughs) Ryan Gosling and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, they were joint second. And Roger with uh, Alden Ehrenreich, is that how you say it? He got 4%. Oh, he's back. He's back. (laughs) Four? Four, yeah. That's almost impossible. I'd rather have a zero. Well, yes. Public no nothing. I don't think, because it's on Twitter, I think somebody did that vote as they were just scrolling (laughs) scrolling up on the phone. I think I voted on that one. Oh, Oh, it's your vote. I voted on it. Because it was zero when I looked. No, 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 no. It might have been a different week. I can't remember. It seems a while ago. Shenanigans. It's all right, by the way, because I'm the one who looks after the social media. I'm the one I have to put up with the, who the f*** is that? <laughs> Can you, it's you and Leo, stop suggesting people who no one's heard of. He'd be brilliant as a scarecrow, but if the public don't have as eclectic a taste as me or Leo, then fair enough. Come on then. <laughs> it's their fault, not mine. Our final character was obviously Dorothy, originally played by Judy Garland. In here. Best uh, of luck with the names. Yeah, Auli E. Cravilio, Cravalio. From Moana, <laughs> Mackenzie Ziegler from Dance Mums. Many, many, many yeah. highly uh, esteemed <laughs> TV shows about dancing. Quavenzane <laughs> Wallace, who was the Annie. modern Annie. Never heard of it. And uh, McKenna Grace, who was from Gifted, I, Tonya, and loads of films. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. We went with Quavenzane Wallace. Mm-hmm. The public... A rare studio win for me. I don't get voted <laughs> yeah. much in the studio. <laughs> yeah. The public didn't agree with you this time, Simon. Okay. They put her in third place with 24%. Decent. Leo. Auli E. Cravilio was second with 33%. And the winner 
was the one that they recognised from all those films that she's done. No one recognises <laughs> Was no McKenna one. Grace with 38%. She's basically an extra in all she's of She's not. Films. No, come on. Stop winding me up already. <laughs> she's probably one of them who's... Is she like a YouTuber as well? She's probably one of them who's... People have got... You know, like them nutters who follow BTS, that band? Yeah. And if you tweet anything with them in, you get like a zillion responses. Yes. I think... What's her name? Who you're about? McKenna Grace. I reckon... Same she thing. She is a fantastic little actress. And Let's I think, all vote for her. No, yeah, yeah, no. Did you miss one there, didn't you? Who, who came forth? Mackenzie Ziegler. Mm-hmm. With, with, Roger. with what percentage? How, how did she do? Well, it could be Roger's vote again. It's She got 5%. Oh, it's five. How do you... Oh, dear me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that was Spoiled me. ballot. It's another joke me. that is relevant today. <laughs> so the results, Roger, Leo, one point. Oh, and, and Simon, one, one point. point. Only yeah. one. And I got two points, so it was quite close this week. Okay, okay. Uh, well, do you want to hear what the public said? Yes. Here are the calls from this week. Strap in, there's quite a few. You have 11 new messages. Hey, Fantasy Reboot, this is Jimbo, the King of Hong Kong, and my cast for The Wizard of Oz would be as followed. The Cowardly Lion, Ron Perlman, The Tin Man, Billy Bob Thornton, Scarecrow, Johnny Depp, Dorothy, Miley Cyrus, the Wicked Witch of the West, Danny DeVito, and how could you forget the wizard? And mine would certainly be James Earl Jones. Kevin here, my fantasy reboot for The Wizard of Oz. The two characters I've chosen are Dorothy L. Fanning, and most recently seen, at least by me anyway, in Maleficent. I thought she was really good in that. She really captures that doe-eyed charm that uh, the role of Dorothy needs. And the other character is the Scarecrow, real physicality needed for that role, kind of a visual impact and someone who's a bit goofy. So I did think about Jim Carrey, but I actually went with Satcher Baron Cohen. There's your fantasy reboot for The Wizard of Oz. Hi, fantasy reboot. Elstead from Newcastle here. Uh, so for The Wizard of Oz, I've gone with experience in the roles. The Wicked Witch would be Bette Midler. For The Cowardly Lion, I'd go with Liam Neeson. The Tin Man would have to be Arnie. Scarecrow, Killian Murphy. And for Dorothy, uh, there's only one Dorothy in my eyes, and that's Doc Cotton from EastEnders. For the part of the Cowardly Lion, I would cast Stephen Graham. Two reasons. Mainly, he's great in everything he does, and he's really versatile. And, of course, the second reason is Stephen Graham looks just like the Cowardly Lion. For the role of the Scarecrow, Harry Connick Jr., He might be old, but if you've ever heard him uh, sing If I Only Had a Brain, it's kind of a no-brainer, pardon the pun. In the role of the cowardly lion, it would be a absolute hilarious role for uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Can you imagine him just saying, Puma, Puma. It'd be brilliant. And in the role of Dorothy, I can only see Anna Kendrick. Okay, so this has been a real tough one because Wizard of Oz is one of my most favorite films of all time. So I've gone for The Scarecrow, and I think Jim Parsons, who plays Sheldon Cooper from The Big Bang Theory, he would be amazing as The Scarecrow. I'm going to start off with The Scarecrow, the Broadway superstar that is Lin-Manuel Miranda, star of Hamilton. I think he'd be the perfect Scarecrow. And for his partner in crime, the cowardly lion, James Corden. 
Jim Carrey as the uh, Scarecrow. I think he'd be good at playing somebody who hasn't got any bones. And Jonah Hill as the Counted Lion is just the first person I think of when I see them. I'm going to go with a really gritty, serious version of A Wizard of Oz. Emily Blunt is the Wicked Witch of the uh, West. The Carrie Lyons, Shia LaBeouf. The Tin Man, Keanu Reeves. Scarecrow, Michael B. Jordan. And your Dorothy, uh, Florence Pugh. So I think all of them could do something gritty. My choice for the Cowardly Lion would have to go to Richard Kind. Probably not the first name on most people's lips. He is a great actor, and he's particularly good at that kind of downtrodden, bumbling characters. And I think that would really suit the lion. I'm sure he's a very, very brave man, but there's something about Matthew McConaughey that speaks to me for the Cowardly Lion. And Billie Eilish for the Wicked Witch of the West. I think it's something about the way she looks too. End of messages. Billie Eilish. Bit of a Rog <laughs> suggestion. I thought she was going to say the Wicked Witch then. Uh, some random but great suggestions in yeah. there. Stephen Graham as the uh, Cowardly Lion. That came in from Demo. And he attached a picture with the message oh, right. of Stephen Graham with a tash. And he does look a lot like the Cowardly yeah. Lion. That's a great yeah. suggestion. I'm, yeah. I'm saving Stephen, though. He's still good, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's got to have a bigger part than that for me. Yeah. I spat my mould wide out there with the dot cotton. Great call. Great call. <laughs> She'd be a great witch as well. She would. She'd be a great witch. Yeah. The Rock would be so good as the lion. I agree. Uh, what am I? He's bringing him back. Yeah. <laughs> Retro like Rocky. Murphy as the scarecrow, he was on my shortlist yeah. at once. Again, he's another one I'm trying not to. Mm. There's a few actors that are in the back Keeping pocket. Keeping ace in the hole. Yeah, yeah, he's one of them. Mark yeah. Strong. There's a few in the back yeah, pocket. Yeah. I could see uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as uh, Scarecrow. I like that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people agreed with your suggestions, Leo, there. Yeah, because they're good. <sighs> nice to have the public backing you up. I know that feeling. Okay, so let's I get know. on with today's film. It's our first Christmas special. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Does it smell Christmassy in here to you? Did you see what I got me? Uh, yeah, got it's a bit bonus. relentless, though. It's, it's Enjoy. It's uh, Vanilla Bean Noel from... Oh, it's, back, it's in the back of my throat. Up, it's lovely. On himself <laughs> as well. I, oh, that's gone down my throat. <laughs> Millionaire short bed and that, and I'd be dead. <laughs> Thank God we aren't going in here this week. So, um, it is our first film of December. Uh, for the rest of December, we are doing Christmas films, and we've got some absolute bangers. Yep. Would you like to know what we're doing today, guys? Yes. Oh, yes. Here we go. Ho, 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 ho. Very good. <laughs> Die Hard is a 1988 Christmas film. It's about an off-duty cop visiting his estranged high-flying wife and accidentally becoming embroiled in a complicated heist. It's probably one of the best Christmas films of all time and even has colouring books for ironic hipsters to colour in with their ecologically sourced felt tips. Thank you very much, Betsy Pearl. Shall we just put it out there straight away? For what out there? Betsy, for once, has got it wrong. What she got wrong? Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I have now watched it, <sighs> right? Just because it's on Christmas Eve and then they stick a Christmas song for the credits at the end. And it's got, well, no, because it's got Christmas songs all the way through. All the way no, through. no, no. Well, I miss them. And Christmas it's got references. And one of the dead guys gets dressed up right. as Santa. It's at a Christmas party. A Christmas party. film <laughs> makes, Christmas makes you feel Christmassy and feel good. That no, film not doesn't. Necessarily. Yes, it does. No. Right, and Bruce Willis himself has said it is not a Christmas movie, right? But the director said it's a Christmas movie. I mean, actors are just pieces of meat. Bruce Willis. 
Bruce Willis is very contrary. Like, yeah. he'd have been doing that with a wry smile. I bet if he was short a few quid and they were going to bring out a special Christmas box set of Die Hard, he'd be like, proper Christmas. <laughs> jingle, jingle. If I want to get in a Christmassy mood, I am not watching Die Hard. I disagree. I, it mm-hmm. puts me... It's the first one I watch every year. And, this is what, and it's the first one we're doing. And the reason for that is, yes, it's not traditionally a Christmas <laughs> film... But it's the one you watch at the start because it's, Yeah, you're right, it's not a Christmas Eve film. It's not the one you watch on Christmas Eve, but it's definitely one you watch. And I'll tell you what is also great about this is if you didn't call it a Christmas film, you wouldn't have a reason to watch it every year and it deserves watching every year. Mm-hmm. I'm losing the vote here, 3-1, aren't I? Yeah. Definitely. It's got the Run DMC Christmas in the Hollies mm. at the beginning of the film. And <laughs> we talked about <laughs> there this... There is no better Christmas song. About four weeks ago, we talked about Grease and Top Gun and I think the consensus was that neither of them really hold up. I mean, Grease is a bit stupid anyway, but Top Gun, I don't think I'll ever watch Top Gun again because it disappointed mm. me so much. Yeah. However, we watched Die Hard a couple of days ago. Still holds up. I've watched it twice this week. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I am not bothered about watching it again. Wow. Compared to Top Gun, it still holds up, though. It's got. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a bit yeah, dated yeah. and everything, but it still holds up. It's mm. a fun film. Well, compared to all action films of that era as well, you yeah. know. Yeah. Think about your Chuck Norris films, your Arnie films, your Sly films. They have not dated well. No. This is this it's not cheesy this just film as, exactly. It's just as watchable as it always was. And Die Hard Two and Three, I love to bits. Samuel L. Jackson's favourite role was um is he in three? He's in yeah. the third one, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's is, his favourite role he's ever played. Bruce Willis in all three. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well they've done more. They've done about five now, haven't they? Something like that. But the first three I think are classics. Yeah. All great. Uh, really good. I, and did, the, I didn't know they'd uh, even made past the first one. Well, I did say to you we should watch the second oh, after I'm, watching the I'm, first and it was ignored, roundly obviously ignored. Obviously did not hear that. Okay, so um, <laughs> as usual, should we get on with some facts around the room? Yes, please. Right, bucket load here. It's time for Die Hard Facts. Laura. Carl, did you know he was a Russian ballet dancer? In real life? In real life. Oh, and he's big, big build for a ballet dancer, isn't he? I've, yeah. I've seen him dancing. It is unreal how that guy moved because mm. he's tall and he's quite heavy. Uh, the building they used in Diodon for Nakatomi Plaza is actually the 20th Century Fox unfinished headquarters. They charged themselves rent during the filming. And now you're not allowed to take photos outside the building because it's so popular. They move people on from taking pictures. Contractually, Frank Sinatra had to be offered the role of John McClane first as it was originally written as Nothing Lasts Forever, which was a sequel to The Detective starring Old Blue Eyes in 1966. Took him 20 years to go through the motions of rewrites and all that. Eventually became Die Hard. Blue Eyes was then grey-haired and 70 years old, but still given first refusal, and he said, no, it's not for me. He was called Old Milky Eyes, by the way. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only that you say it's a sequel to that film, because everyone thinks this is a sequel to Commando, the Schwarzenegger film, but that's actually been proven false by the screenwriters. Bruce Willis went through 17 vests during filming. I mean, it looked like he only had one vest because it was knackered within no time. But 17 vests, and he's donated one of the vests to the Smithsonian Museum. The script was only completed up to 35 pages by the time they started filming. Normally, films come in around 125, around there. So they were writing basically just a few scenes ahead of what the camera was shooting. And because of that, there's loads of continuity errors, including the getaway vehicle where there's a huge reveal at the end where it's been hidden the whole time at the very beginning of the film you see where it's hidden and it's not there 
They couldn't figure out how the terrorists would escape. They figured it out just towards the end of the filming. They wrote this scene in, but then they realised when they started screening it, uh, we've messed up here because we didn't put the getaway vehicle there. That's funny. Um, First big screen and Hollywood film for Alan Rickman. This was his debut. Yeah, he was quite late into acting. He was 41 years old. Mm. He was class. And he almost almost turned it down because he didn't want to do uh, Hollywood bad guy. He didn't want to get typecast as that. Well, he was such a thesp that he'd never held a gun and he had to be shown by the prop director how to hold a gun because he was a bit bit like camp with it. The scene where he meets John McClane, where he pretends to be an American, that was all improvised. So good. They wanted it to be improvised, which I think is fantastic. Here's a great fight. You know the bit when he drops down the lift shaft and he misses the first vent and drops down to the next one? That was an accident. The stuntman really did miss it and dropped down to the next one. Even though I have seen this film probably getting on for 50 times, I still get terrible because I've got terrible vertigo. I still get scared whenever I see that bit. The fact that the stuntman actually did it and missed it is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, but that, that is a great fact. That's where you need an editor, a good editor with a director, because they would have discounted that shot had the editor not said, I can use that, it's a genuine fall. Shoot me a, sh- a reverse shot of him grabbing onto the next vent down and we can use it. Because yeah. that fall is so believable. Same yeah. with Rickman's fall at the end. Yeah. And they couldn't oh, do it again know. because the stuntman were dead, of course. After <laughs> he, d- he died of airbag. <laughs> um Bruce Willis suffered permanent hearing loss from the shooting in Die Hard. The shooting as in the gun The shooting. guns, yeah. There yeah. was so much There was so much shot. of it. And, yeah. and he also had to uh, have some fake rubber feet. Yeah, they made, <laughs> they made Bruce... I mean, they should be in the Smithsonian, little rubber Bruce Willis feet. <laughs> Why aren't they selling them? That would be great. Most of the German spoke by Alan Rickman is gibberish, which is funny because Bruce Willis's parents are both German. Well, he was born in Germany. Bruce Willis was born in West Germany. He's the most German person in the film, <laughs> which is mad. And what they did is, when they released it in Germany, they changed all the Germans' names on the dubbing to English. So Brilliant. we watch it We watch it thinking the Germans are baddies. When you watch it in Germany, you think the baddies are English, <laughs> which is a great little twist. Yeah, that is I great. love your global facts. They're the best, mate. <laughs> you know the, um, the teddy bear? That was also used in The Hunt for Red October. It's 18 minutes before the first what in the film, guys. Swear word. No, it's 18 minutes before the first gunshot. Ah. Which I wish we'd done that on The Exorcist, how long before the first scary bit. Hans Gruber, which is a great bad guy name, came from Monty Python. Oh, It was a character in Monty Python, (laughs) which I love. Can anybody do an impression of his ho-ho-ho? Well, it's rubbish, isn't it? Because he's reading it off the... Now I have a machine gun. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of gunshots, Christoph and Theo are the only two terrorists that don't carry weapons through the whole film. And they are not shot or blown up. Anyone who carries a gun on the baddie's side is killed by gun or explosion. The other two are just knocked out. And Christoph, the French baddie, was actually forgotten about. He's given so little screen time that his conclusion is not written into it that's that thing of them messing up when they were rewriting all the film they started off with 13 terrorists in the middle of it they start referring to 12 on the radios yeah and even the posters said 12 terrorists one guy you'd never know what happens to him talking of posters they didn't particularly want bruce willis as the lead did they 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 kept thinking he was the wrong person for it um uh because of his role in moonlighting 
they thought he played too much of a comedy role in that and didn't see how he would fit for Die Hard. And they didn't think it would sell the movies having him on the posters. So originally he wasn't even on the, the, the main posters because they thought it would put people off watching an action film, which I think is crazy because he Bruce Willis is diehard, oh, isn't totally, he? Totally. But at the time, because they were still filming Moonlighting yeah. and I was at school and Moonlighting was the show. Oh, yes. It's it, largely forgotten about now, but it was yeah. the show at the yeah. time. Yeah, I, it made me... It was a great show. I think it was one of the first... Big American shows that I can remember crossed over. everybody talking about. Like yeah. The two Johnsons, the FBI agents, Johnson and Johnson, they called them that as a joke <laughs> to, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, who plays the cop, Sergeant Powell. Yeah. They called them to as Johnson and Johnson as an in-joke because he was called Johnson oh. in real <laughs> life. Great facts, guys. Shall we get on with our first character? Looking yes. forward to it. Here we go. Paul is a German terrorist with beautiful hair that would have looked at home in a Timothy advert. He is Hans Gruber's second in command and he's not very happy with John McClane after he bumps off Carl's brother. <coughs> Couple of snooker coughs there. We like to leave them in to show you it's real. Even a bit of paper waggling in the studio. So Carl, played by Alexander Goodenough, which is a great name. He's good enough. It certainly was. <laughs> he's a bit two-dimensional, isn't he, when you watch it back? He's like, I mean, he's a bit of a pillock with his brother. Remember, his, br- his brother looks just like him, but they put wire glasses on him to make yeah, it, yeah. make you know that he's the sensitive bad guy. Yeah, yeah. There's, and, there's that scene where they have a brotherly fallout where they're trying to... The glasses one is trying to cut the wires. He's rerouting the phones yeah, is what he's doing. Yeah, and... and <laughs> Carl just gets chainsaw straight through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Typical brothers, a great bit of sibling. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, good, yeah. It's well written. When I watched it, I kind of thought he was a bit of a non character for, for quite a while. And I think they could have made more of him. I think they could have given him more lines, made him even more of a baddie. I get, I get what they were doing. They were kind of doing the subtle, but I think, yeah. See, I, don't, I never think that they're making a carbon copy. I think when we reboot, we're making a 2020 film. And every character can be looked at and given more depth, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, Rog, you and I mentioned this, uh, that it's not a very female-friendly, I mean, apart from looking at Bruce Willis in a vest, it's not that <laughs> much of a female-friendly, it's a bit yeah. me too, different I, times. I think they'd do more with Holly's character. Yeah, although, although for oh, the they, time, it was yeah, a very yeah, dif- different character. You I mean, didn't see that. She in got a job, glass ceiling and all that. She well, was I doing think, all I right. I think that was yeah. the point. She was... Um, you know, she had a really good job and uh, he didn't think her job was going to be uh, successful. I yeah. think that was the po- whole yeah. point of that it. That showed him, sister. Exactly. So let's get on with Carl then. Uh, Leo, we'll start with you as usual. Who are you going for for Carl? Jason Momoa. From Game of Thrones. And, and Aquaman. Aquaman. Yep. Another Game of Thrones alumni. Hafdor Bjornsson from me. Which the is... mountain. He's a big man. Big man. Oh. Well... You're not going to believe this, but we're going to have our third Game of Thrones character, Nikolai Costa Wildow, who played uh, Jamie Lannister. Okay. Laura. I have gone. If you've not gone for somebody from Game of Thrones, no, I'm I afraid you're not I in the gang. I haven't. I have gone for Sean Harris. Uh, I love Sean Harris. Solomon Lane in Mission Impossible and also from. Ian Curtis in Joy Division's South, film. South oh, Cliff. Yeah. Wasn't he? He's good. Yeah, he is in Curtis, yeah. 
In the 24-hour party, people. Yeah. yeah, He's so good. He is a badass. We saw him in that one. He's in a... I don't know the name of it, but he's in a BBC show. It's Southcliffe. He won, Southcliffe. He won a BAFTA for he it, He plays yeah. a shotgun rampager. He and, has got some serious depth to him, this and guy. And he played Ian Brady, which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a role. So that's the four characters. Leo, Jason Momoa. <laughs> well, I was really close to going with Joe Exotic from Tiger King. <laughs> Uh, I just Joe went, Exotic, the actual Joe Exotic. The actual Joe Not Exotic. Not sure if he's available right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When are you shooting? <laughs> <laughs> so I've not seen Aquaman, so I've no idea what he's like in I, that. I don't know what he's like in Game he, of Thrones. He's great in Game of Thrones, but he's monosyllabic. He yeah, barely yeah, ever speaks. Uh, that, that's what this character is me, to me. Just like this cold uh, terrorist, long hair, mm. big, big guy. Jason Merrick can do comedy as well. I haven't got anything else to say. He's he's the light relief in Aquaman. He's the yeah. best best bit about um, Dawn of the Justice League. Well, Carl's is uh, not a comedy role. No, he's a, he's a baddie. Uh, you, good point. He's quite evil. He's a baddie, but no, he's, no, he's, that, yeah, that that bit when with the brothers arguing that's a bit funny. It's, it's no, it's not a comedy character, but it's like light moments. Yeah, it can play a bit of that. His frustration at John McClane is funny. I will shoot him. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, fair play. All right. So the mountain, I'm going to get his name wrong here. Haftor Bjornsson. Haftor Bjornsson. So the original Alexander Goodenough was one of the world's leading ballerinas. I thought we need someone of that stature. Haftor Bjornsson is the mountain in Game of Thrones, but he's also one of the world's strongest men. He's in the world's strongest man competition all the yeah. time. He's got that build. Like, yeah. In fact, Momoa's is very similar. Yes. Yeah. Momoa's a big guy. Huge. Well, Muscle. he's got the mountain, isn't he? Muscles he on could, top uh, of muscles. Move enough, though, by, you know, like well, being quite physical. Like, obviously, he's physically strong, but can he. Yeah, this is where I was going with it. So, for me, the best action scene is Carl and John McClane's fight. And there's no way John McClane, schluppy, sofa, vest wearing American, is beating Carl. It's Rocky Four, isn't in it? In a fight. Exactly. He's never beating him. So. They wrote in this really different action scene for the time where anything that's at hand, John McLean's grabbing that. He's, he's on a construction site, so he's using all that stuff. And you need to, I think you need to keep that element in this film. You, no one can beat Haftor Bjornsson in a fist fight. No one's getting out of a headlock from mm. Haftor Bjornsson. Mm. So you have to be using hammers and wielding, you know, toolboxes and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's why you need someone of the stature of Haftor Bjornsson. I can't think of any anyone better. He's an unbeatable baddie. You yeah. have to improvise. Mm. You're right in Cl this. It would be very hard unless he, he wins by accident to visualise whoever you're putting in as yeah. John McClane. Or, or not by accident, by improvisation. Yeah. By knowing exactly his limitations and Im improvising around. Yeah. So my choice, I'm gonna, I'll say Jamie Lannister because it's a bit more obvious who he is to you. There is uh, Nikolai Costawaldo. Is um, he looks a bit like him? He's got long hair. He's got a kind of chisely Eastern European look. I don't know if he is Romanian or something. Fantasy reboot fact check: Nikolai Costawaldo is not Romanian or something. He is actually Danish. And a fact check. But he's not got what you two guys have put in. He's an absolute giant of a man. But he plays Jamie Lannister. And in, in Game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister, before he finds his sensitive side, spoiler alert, he is a, bad a badass. Mm. I think he's great. I loved it. Yeah, I, he's I like absolutely him. brilliant. He's one of the characters who I love seeing on screen. So that's mine. Laura, Sean Harris. Yeah, well, 
Uh, I think this is the longest I've spent over choosing characters. I, I took about four days to choose these characters. So I feel like I could actually do an exam on this film now. I, I <laughs> literally have studied them. I have watched videos of all these characters. I wanted someone to be a real badass. Somebody, mm. I, I wanted the characters of Carl and Hans to be people you really didn't like. And Sean Harris plays the bad guy so well. He's got a unique look about him as well. And he's just cold, cold, brilliant actor. Brilliant. Yeah. And again, he can act so beautifully, even when he's not speaking, which this role has. Oh, he's got, he's threatening in Mission Impossible when they've got him on that bus. He's just sitting looking and you're looking at him thinking, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near him. He's so good. So good. So good. And uh, honestly, I just, if I'm going to talk about the other characters, I actually think having somebody too big is the wrong way to go. I actually think they, like you said, it would almost be unrealistic to have somebody too big because the character of John wouldn't be able to beat somebody that huge in a real fight. Um, Roger's point was a good point. The fact, yeah. I, I didn't know that, but you're right yeah, about yeah. You, you would have to... Yeah, but re, yeah. and they I, did. I, That's how they wrote it in the 88 yeah. version. Um, but yeah, it's all, that almost makes it comical. And I think in my head, I made it quite made the character of Carl quite dark. And yeah. if I'm going to put Sean and, and Nikolai side by side, who's scarier to look at, who gives it off that slightly more badass, I'm going to say Sean. I think Sean Harris, if you put him as that, then he's too close to Hans Gruber. I, that's what I was sitting Same on. Here. For me, and I don't want to preempt what anybody else has said later on, but if you'd have said, if I won this one and then you said Sean Harris as Hans Gruber, he's too accomplished as a bad man on screen to play a second in... Out, who are they going to put yeah, in? But, who are you going to put in? But uh, that's- Carl does his dirty work. And and I think Sean quite is used to not playing a leading leading sort of... Yeah. I think, I think Sean's better at getting someone to do his yeah, dirty work. Yeah, I, I think Sean Harris is like this manipulative, like conniving... He's absolutely like, hands. Yeah. The bit where they sat in the office when, with the... Get, with the Nobbed in the suit. Coke, yeah. Hands, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Rickman is just looking at Carl yeah. and giving him the nod on what to do yeah. and whether he should kill him or not, just with a glance. Yeah. I think Sean Harris is a master manipulator. He is the main bad guy. He's the shark. I'd be very interested to see who you've put in his hands as a result of this because I can't think of anybody. I've tried tried to compliment all my characters this time. That's good. To speak to the element that you've mentioned about the kind of cartoon violence... Die Hard, the way those fight scenes were choreographed by the stunt coordinators has informed all the films like John Wick Mm. and, you know, a lot of the Kung Fu films where you've got, like, John Wick is a straight down the line suit wearing, looks like an office clerk. Yeah. Then in a fight scene, he is the absolute deadliest killer. He, he uses a pencil in John Wick 3. He uses a horse in John Wick 2 to kill his adversaries. And whilst you could say that the 1988 Die Hard action scenes are a bit comical, I don't think they are. I think they set the mould. And if they updated it now, if they did it again, those fight scenes would just be even better than mm. they were then. Mm. And it, it'd be even better than John Wick because they get the, they had the best team working on it then and that team has spawned off like the family tree to all these brilliant action scenes that we see nowadays that are so well cut and so well choreographed. And I think you would believe John McClane beating up a big guy, definitely, yeah. by improvising. I like the John Wick films. I came to them late. Yeah. Because they're, un- they're, they're a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But again, they're daft. 
Yeah, and, and you don't mind that. No, no, and the great films, they surprise me, and I do like them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a vote of two hearts, because yeah, you've basically think... got two big lads who have both played, in Game of Thrones, they played quite mean characters. Then you've got two guys who are slightly smaller in stature. I still think they're big guys. Yeah, but have a mean streak. Yeah, it... can have a mean yeah. streak. You've got... I mean, hands down, Sean Harris is the meaner out of yeah. the two of them, but... Probably a really nice guy. <laughs> I hope he is. No, no, he see, no. Do you know what? I think he is. I just think he's a brilliant actor. Um, may, uh, I don't want to say maybe you're right. I personally don't think he's right for Hans Gruber. You guys, because you've got somebody else. That well, I'm looking no, forward no, no, to not hearing. that. No, not okay. because of that. Oh. Um, I actually think there's more depth to Carl than the film actually. They underplay him in the film. There's yeah. more possibilities. I yeah. think. You know, his brother gets killed, and. He just becomes this sort of monster. And it was the 80s, so that's all you wanted. And as we've mentioned, they were literally writing it a week ahead of yeah. shooting. Yeah. So they probably didn't have time to flesh people out. I, yeah. I see Carl as more of a, like a psychological baddie than, than the... I, I think that, the, that's the, what Hans Gruber is. because He's, he's got to have the physical Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I, no, I, I, I think Han, Hans is, but I think he... But I think he has. He step, yeah, I think he steps back and lets Carl do the work for him. And I don't just mean... The shooting and the beating up. I mean, I think he, it, I think Carl's in control of his team, as in. But but Hans is doing that with the intellectual guy. Oh, is it Theo, the guy that's setting off the, the reactors and, and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Two definite trains of thought here. I think we better have a vote. So we'll start with Leo. Who are you going for? Haftor Bjornsson. Roger. On the arguments put forward, Jason Momoa. I've gone for Haftor Bjornsson. I've gone for Nikolai Costa-Waldu. So Haftor's got it. Well done, Rog. You. Yeah, it's just not how I see Carl. I hated the mountain in Game of Thrones because yeah. he's the, his brother is the hound, right, in Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. He was such a horrible character. Mm -hmm. And that is what you want from Carl. You, I almost, you don't want redemption at all. I mean, getting your name on the board first off, Roger, do you it's, want to go home now the only before it gets disappointing? Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. Fantasy Reboot Podcast. I wonder if our next character is going to be as deep as that one. Let's do character number two. Sergeant Powell is a roly-poly, good-natured desk jockey cop who finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. He becomes a lifeline to John McClane via their walkie-talkies. Thank you very much, Betsy Pearl. Sergeant Powell, played by Reginald Vell Johnson. Uh, great character. Little fact, he never met Bruce Willis throughout filming. They only met for the first time when they meet for the first time on screen. So that was genuine reaction. Oh. And I actually, watching it this time, got the little lump it, in my throat. It chokes you yeah, up. Got goosebumps saying it now. That was my favourite bit. Yeah. That was great. the girly bit. It's <laughs> really good. That bit. Yeah, and no, I liked that bit. And a lot of people say it's a love story between Al Powell and John McClane. Yeah. A lot of people say Yeah, his... The, yeah. The, the, the coddle lasted a long time. Yeah. It was a nice cuddle. I loved it. I, I thought it was fun. And I liked how he... Every time the FBI, because whenever you see the FBI or CIA appear in a film, the local cops absolutely brick it. Mm. And I like that he's had that much of the job. He just doesn't care. And he's saying exactly yeah. what he thinks he should say. And he's the, I'd say he's the only guy throughout the film who doesn't make a mistake, doesn't put a foot wrong. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with the votes. And um, 
first up is you, Roger. Who are you going for? I've gone for Danny McBride. Ooh. Oh, Danny McBride. From, of course, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down. Been yeah, in a good food films. The Express. I'm going for Leslie Jones. She was the subway attendant in Ghostbusters who ended up being oh, a brilliant. Ghostbuster. And uh, isn't she turned out to be the daughter or niece of... Yeah, mm-hmm. he comes in at the end. Winston. Uh, Winston, Winston from yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, he's in at the end. So, of yeah, film. I've gone for Leslie Jones. Um, Laura? Um, I have gone for Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Can I see a picture? Joking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ice, ice, baby, what a chill. <laughs> Leo? I've gone for Dave Chappelle. Oh, what a good ring. What a spread. It is a good spread, but we're going to start with you, Rog. Danny McBride. Okay, Danny McBride as Al Powell, the mentally wounded Tonto. Betsy Pearl said they're the wrong place at the wrong time. I disagree. I think Al Powell's been waiting for the right place at the right time. He's mentally wounded because he's had a big issue early on in his career. Shot a kid. Shot a kid, wasn't given the right rehab, was put onto a desk role, and John McClane calls it early on. Eastbound and Down is about a baseball fastballer on the downward spiral at the end of his career that wants to reignite the flame somehow and just get a break. And that's what Al Powell is looking for. And then John McClane, he gets it. So I really think that Danny McBride could do it. He's really good at the one-liners, good at improvising. I've Mm. seen him in a lot of things where he's just, he steals the scene doing very little. And there's that, again, spoiler. This is going to be full of spoilers. The bit where Carl gets his retribution and you just see the gun and then it reveals who's holding it. Imagine Danny McBride holding that gun. I mean, that is a great shot in the film. So good. I love it. I love that shot in the film. Yeah. He's a good call. I've gone for Leslie Jones. Uh, I think when we do this, we always look, is there an angle to change gender, to change roles, uh, things like that. And she's really solid in Ghostbusters. She's Saturday Night Live. You can't be on Saturday Night Live without A, being a great actor, B, being able to do the range of emotions and characters. And you can see her in the police uniform, sort of being that overlooked cop who's not had the promotions. Yeah. So she's still in the streets. She's still in a patrol car. She's on her own. It's Christmas Eve. She shouldn't be working. Yeah. And and he's even overlooked, or she would even be overlooked when the LAPD detectives come in and then when the FBI come in. Al's figured it all out. Al knows everything, so... He's even overlooked in those little bits as well, and, and it's how they react to that. Yeah. Danny McBride could do it, and so yeah. could Leslie Jones. I think the strength in having a woman there would be... It's very good. Mm, yeah, yeah. When I've seen her play a policeman before. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd seen her in a police uniform. She was in a really bad comedy film called Masterminds. Zach Galifianakis in... We can but, cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she's been a policeman before. She was good. You're informing the vote here, Leo. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> when you said her, I thought, brilliant, right? But I've had a little thought. Right, cut this just before she said but. <laughs> leave that. Leave it there. He is in a relationship that is struggling, right? So that maybe I'm looking at this from a female point of view, but he, uh, like you said, Roger, that the love story is almost between John McClane and Al. Because then at the end, when they have that cuddle and stuff, he's then cuddling another woman. It changes the dynamic there. And I don't know how his wife, who has only just taken a turn and falling back in love with him, is going to feel about him being that close 
with another woman. It's a really good point. I totally don't agree. I don't see that bond between them being like that. You don't watch them two men and think, oh, they're falling in love with each other. No, 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 no. no, 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 no it's, it's, it's platonic. It's platonic. Yeah, and, yeah that's and, what I mean. And but she the, but is, men and women can be platonic. His, what, yeah, no, but his, no, they can't. When Harry met Sally, they can't. No, no, no. I, that's the first thing I thought when Laura said it, and I thought that's the very point she's making. But I think that his, Harry met Sally is a 1980s film. But his wife yeah. actually looks at him and looks at how they're looking at each other. Oh, again, yeah, I'm does. not talking about a love relationship. How, how they look at each other. And she sees that they've had this special bond and she would feel differently if that special bond was with a woman. It complicates things. I don't think she'd be so happy about that bond. Well, I genuinely don't see that as you're seeing it. Throughout that film, you're listening to Al tell his story. He's telling his story to McLean on the thing when they're being anonymous to each other. He's, he's told him in fully a shot of Hans Gruber that he's got a wife at home who's pregnant. So you can do exactly the same with her. I don't think that matters at all, especially these days as well. Not you. You don't have to. You don't have to be in a relationship with every woman you talk to. I've tried. It's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's more than just that. Okay. Um, Ice Cube. I went through a few different people, and I kept coming back to Ice Cube. So he's played a lot cooler cops than yeah. He's, Al he's like he's like bad cop. Yeah. Tough cop. Yeah. Yeah. But I he's think played good and bad guys. I I uh, yeah. I thought about in, that. In the police films, I've seen him in. There, there are points where Al's actually playing a real comedy, yeah, comedy yeah, like yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. in the shop and stuff like that, and buying his sweets yeah, and little donuts. Do yeah, yeah, and and but then he does have a serious side, and I, I, I think I think Ice Cube can do that. Well, I think they're all comedy actors, but for me, Dave Chappelle, he's just got like this presence, and he's very commanding, and Dave Chappelle looks like he's on the rough end. He's a difficult person to describe. He's he's just got something about him which is. He's lovable, but he's also, even when he does his stand-up routines, he goes into like these big monologues about problems in society. So he can do serious on a stand-up show while, you know, so he he can flip-flop very easily. And he's smart. In his sketch shows, he plays like idiots as well. Uh, Like he plays cocaine addicts. I don't know. I don't know. uh, Dave Chappelle. It is 90% monologue, really, Al's character. Yeah. So you do, yeah, a stand-up. Brings that easily. He does a lot. I mean, it's not a small part by any no, means. He's, no, in no, the, no. he's in the film a lot, but to say he's not in the building, not really doing anything, he's like the Samaritan trying to stop someone from committing suicide. He's that important to it, I yeah. think. Well, I, the, my favourite scenes were the ones with him in it. I, mm. I liked coming back to those scenes, that bit mm. of light relief. Do you know, I actually think all four choices for this are really good. Mm-hmm. I think if I saw... Leslie Jones or Danny McBride, I'd be like, oh, it's, yeah. You know, rather than... Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where I was going with Sean Harris with Carl, so I totally see your yeah. point there because I think I've gone for somebody for this character who is... I've gone for an obvious choice. Yeah, no, no, no. Whereas... Um, I, I think Dave Chappelle's got that about him. He's, like, tired, worn out, and he's a bit of a slacker most of the time. But is Because uh, Sergeant Powell, the original one, uh, Reg Vell Johnson, is... He's tired, but I think he is married to the job. He's yeah, yeah, disappointed. Yeah, that's, that's, do you know what I mean? Ready, yeah, yeah, that's up. what I mean. When I see Dave Chappelle do like these proper, like serious monologues during uh, his stand-up routines, he he has holds this presence and he's powerful. All right, are we going to vote? Mm. Yeah. And we start this time with Roger. This was hard, but I've gone for Leslie Jones. Right back at you with Danny McBride. Laura. 
I've gone for Leslie Jones. Oh, I've gone for Danny McBride. <laughs> it's too old. Oh, wow. It is too old. We are going to call the Oracle. I bet you didn't think I was going to go for Leslie after the... Uh... No, I, get, no, I mean, no, you, I was just it was a really a good argument. I wasn't saying that I totally... But I don't think... The argument is spot on. But the reason I voted Leslie Jones is because it's in the writing. You just you just write around that problem because yeah. it is a massive problem. And I think if you put right. somebody in, there's certain women you could put in and you would feel sexual tension. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, women yeah, who... Yeah, yeah. But the, 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 Screen sirens almost. They're at the end of radios until the very end. So the, yeah. even the asexual thing, you just, you just hear in a voice. You can be attracted to a voice yeah. without even knowing what they look like. So I think it's a really good point. Okay, so we're going to call the Oracle. Hi. So we're at a stalemate again. We are looking at the role of Sergeant Al Powell in Die Hard. And the two actors you've got to choose from are Danny McBride and Leslie Jones. So it's over to you. Okay. Leslie Jones. Oh! Well done. I didn't think I was going to get that. Thanks, the Oracle. Bye. Bye. Never, it's not good with the salutations, the Oracle. Greetings are just okay. small talk. <laughs> yeah, it's all extra time that could be on. I think the Oracle's on Instagram a lot. <laughs> so, uh, guys in the room, because it's mine, so obviously I'm ecstatic. How do you guys feel about I don't that know, one? I'm, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Think she works? Yeah. I'm wounded that uh, the Oracle didn't pick Danny McBride, but Leslie Jones is great. Close second. It's a photo finish. Yeah. Be happy with that, Rog. Yeah, you dipped. I did. And I, I can relax a little, I can breathe. Because I've got my name on the board. <laughs> Fancy Reboot Podcast. So we're going to move on then to character number three. Holly Gennaro is John McClane's estranged wife who moved to LA for a lucrative position within the Nakatomi Corporation. She's all business, but deep down wants things to work out with her fella. Holly McLean, Holly Gennaro. Great. Um, is it, again, I think what's great about this film is it's so simple. You know, it's just a heist film. Then it's got these mini dramas going on in it yeah like you said sergeant powell you know loads about him by the end of the film and he's kind of you you learn so much about the relationship between john mclean and holly throughout the film without them actually ever be, they see each other for a couple of minutes at the beginning yeah then obviously right at the, right end. the end yeah but the rest of the film is all conjecture yeah there's really nice elements where where they're getting relayed back information about what's going on with the terrorists through like people screaming at hands and saying, oh, he's just, you know, he's just shot somebody else. And you just see Holly being won over slowly, 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 mm, yeah. won over again. It's so nice. When she's doing that, he's still alive. Nobody annoys people like oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody annoys people like John. And then there's that, um, the negotiation scene where she's, because her boss has been killed, she goes into the office with hands. You need a quality actor, actor, actress to do that. Mm. I shall begin with Drew Barrymore. Jessica Chastain. From Zero Dark Thirty. Thanks, Laura. Leo. Uh, Zoe Kravitz. Very good. Rog. Tiffany Haddish. Well, again, I think a good spread. Very, very wide-ranging spread. I kicked us off with Drew Barrymore. You actually think she's a lot older than she is. She's not as old as you probably think because you've been watching her on screen since she was a tiny little girl in E.T. Yeah. And, oh, was, was that her? Oh, I she, love Drew Barrymore. She's Hollywood royalty. Yeah. And she's never a bad name to see in anything. She does comedy really well. 
She does serious really well. Mm-hmm. She's quite emotional. And she's got something quite emotional about her. And with that thing about fleshing Holly out a little bit more, I thought, you know, if there's a scene where they need a bit of action, she was a Charlie's angel. She ticks a lot of boxes for me. Badass, smart, motherly. I don't want to say sexy, but there's something something really likable about her. And I think that was what it was with Holly, you know. But they made, I think Holly was quite one-dimensional in the original yeah, dial. Yeah, I struggled with the character of Holly, actually. But I, I'm remaking... Uh, how know. old is Drew Barrymore? Just do you... She's late 40s. Oh, right, okay. 47, something like that. Uh, but she's, yeah, mm-hmm. she looks good. I saw a clip of Scream the other day, which I remember thinking Drew Barrymore was the old one in Scream. She looks like a teenager in Scream, yeah, which does. is yeah. crazy, right. um, yeah. even though they had younger people in. Uh, so that, yeah, I... Drew Barrymore. Just, 45, she is. Oh, she's younger than I thought. Ticks a lot of boxes. Okay. And preempting fits with my John McClane, <laughs> which is why I picked her. Yeah, well, I wasn't very invested in the character of Holly. I I, th- I found, even though she is like the boss, well, running the company and things like that, I'd like to make more of this character. She definitely needs to be more. Yeah. And I think we all have to agree yeah. on that, where really? they put one woman in the film... And made her the strong woman. It's it's very eighties. They did that eighties thing. Yeah, yeah. same in Top Gun. It's it's just it's difficult yeah. to cast for it because it can be like any woman because there's no character to it. And it, so I think it needs to go and said now yeah. that we are thinking this is a 2020 film. She needs to do more. Mm-hmm. She she's not the princess in the tower who he's rescuing. So yeah, I've gone with Jessica Chastain. She's zero dark thirty. She's been in Interstellar, uh, Miss Sloan, Ava, The Help. Oh, she's um, good in Interstellar. <laughs> Yeah, she's been Zero she's been 30, in she's so many many more things yep. than you probably realise. Um, she's good. She is actually a really good actress, um, and I think she's she plays quite often the powerful leading lady. She looks good in a business suit. I yeah, think yeah, is what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Was she, she was she the one who in the gambling film Molly's Game? Is that her? Yep, it was. Uh, yeah, it was Jessica Chastain in yeah, Molly's okay. Game, and she's got a kind of. Almost like a little mean look to her, Jessica. I think. Um, well, she can be badass. Yeah. And what I said about Drew Barrymore bringing out a bit of kung fu, Charlie's Angels. I can totally see Jessica Chastain yep. doing that as well. That works for me. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, good one, uh, Leo Zoe Kravitz. Uh, she played one of the mums in Big Little Lies. She was the one who was like kind of getting sick of her husband. Yeah. But oh, I can't remember what she did in the show. But she's like a very strong character still. She's a bit new agey. She does yoga yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she is a strong character. And she's so yeah. She's got the mum. I think that they're, they're all mums. Like, I think they can all play the mum part. Really, they're all yeah. And the young. Yeah, I is. mean, the mums to young kids in the film. So it's neither yeah, here yeah, nor yeah, there. Yeah. They could be. They could be twenty five. They could be forty five. Yeah. I think that doesn't matter so much. But yeah, yeah. she's good. The new Mad Max film. She starts off as the damsel like in distress, but then gradually like fights back against the men without the help of Mad Max. And that's key for Holly. She's not a damsel in distress. And they'd develop that if they remade it now. Yeah. she. I think yeah, she's yeah. a strong actress. Tiffany Adish, for me, um, needs to move into this role. She's predominantly cast in comedies, uh, Night School, Girls' Night. And she's in one this year called Like a Boss, which kind of gave me the foot in towards being Holly in Die Hard. Because... What she plays when she's in those comedies is like quite an impatient, no-nonsense 
tell it like it is kind of character. And there's that in Holly. But the scene where she does a negotiation with Hans is the absolute turning point for Holly's character. And just recently, I've seen Tiffany Haddish pop up in during lockdown. She shaved her head as like a mark of race. And then she's a huge philanthropist. She still lives in the neighbourhood she grew up with. And she's invested very much a lot of her money that she's made from all these films she's been in into that neighbourhood to develop it and you don't get that from the comedies that she's in. I think there's much more levels to her, much more depth to her. And I can see her as a broken through the glass ceiling, no nonsense, sick of her husband, sick of the men that she's working with mm. taking charge. I can see that in her in real life and in, in what she needs in yeah. the next role that she plays. Well you've got four strong actresses there. Let's vote. I've gone for Jessica Chastain. Okay, I've gone for Drew Barrymore. Oh, thanks. Like for like. Leo? I've gone for Tiffany Haddish. Oh dear, we've got one of each. Have I got the deciding vote? You have. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll... So you better have written it down. Jessica Chastain. Oh, that's you, Laura. I, I think you... Look, your eyes then. It's like you did, it took you oh, a second to register. the character I was least bothered about. It's a win, but it's like... Funny that. I was really invested in Sean Harris for Carl, so I'm really disappointed about that. I know I keep going back to it, but I am... Hashtag Michael Shannon. Yeah, exactly. And this one, (laughs) this was the one that I... It didn't take me four days to choose this character. I was just kind of a bit like, meh. Hey, this is one of them days so far, guys. This is one of them days where any combination of any of these actors so far, I'd be happy with. There aren't anybody I'm saying no to, you know? It's not Greece, put it that way. Uh, yeah, I feel like that with Holly and the Al Pal, but not so much with Carl. And, and I don't mean because I didn't get my Sean, because I feel like, like you, we were saying, we were very split yeah. with our how we saw Carl. Well, we are moving on to the two leading men. Let's start with character number four. Hans Gruber is the German leader of the baddies. He is clever, ruthless, a bit trigger happy, and he knows a good suit when he sees one. That bit with the suit is a great bit of Die Hard with, um, I don't know what his name is, the boss, before he kills him right at the beginning. Yeah. He it's says Mr. He, Nakamo- Na- Nakatomi. I don't think he's called Nakatomi, is oh, it? I thought he was. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. He's, he's in it for uh, five minutes. And he's a good actor, that yeah, guy. He's I in liked a lot him. of stuff. I liked him. Fantasy reboot. Fact check. The president of Nakatomi Trading is Joseph Takagi. He is played by James Shigator. End of fact check. Okay, so Hans Gruber, it's Laura to start. Who have you got for Hans Gruber, Laura? Okay, I have gone for a German. And it is Michael Fassbender. Okay, uh, I've gone for Mads Mikkelsen. What's he in? He's the bad guy in Casino Royale. Yeah. Uh, He's in the Heineken adverts, weren't he? I'm not trying to put you off him. Uh, Roger? I can't remember him in... Yeah, oh, he, sorry, I was thinking... He's, he's he was back. in the first. It was the first... Wasn't yeah, he in the first? He's got, anyway. He's, okay, go on. Roger. I have gone for Peter Dinklage. What a great idea. Mm. I mean, was in a Christmas film, so... Yeah. Nice, nice time. I Keep love him. I've gone for Mads Mikkelsen. Sonia Kerbal, Leo. It's a double trouble. This is the one that I wanted. I am so gutted. Let's have the chat. 
Michael Fassbender is a German. Was. Right, first of all, he won an Oscar. He might have been born in for... Germany, but everybody talks about Michael Fassbender being Irish. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's an Irish German, but he can he can speak in German, so he he can do an American I can. accent. Voice Wimbad. No, no, he can speak fluent German. He can, he's got he can do a German accent. Uh, he played. He won an Oscar for his role in Twelve Years a Slave for being one of the biggest nastiest people, okay. Edwin Epps. So he can be nasty. He's physically fit. Doesn't need to be for Hans. No, no, but I think he does near the end. Frank Sidebottom, of course. Oh, look. Excellently well. He's adaptable. He's a great actor. Let's talk about Peter Dinklage. He would be brilliant at this. Mean, menacing. You don't understand why he's so nasty. I don't think, I mean, it's very 80s and 90s, so I don't think we need an East German. I don't think we need an even an Eastern European. Doesn't matter really where he's from. He's just a criminal terrorist. And to be in charge of that gang... Peter Dinklage with an assault rifle is the scariest thing. I actually would have loved to see Peter Dinklage. Oh, so good. I I, I would have totally gone for him. Right? As Tyrion Lannister. I'm glad. Yeah, exactly. As Tyrion Lannister, he is quite Hans Gruber. Yeah. I mean, I know he's sometimes can be comic relief and sometimes quite tragic. Yeah. And when he loses his ragging elf... Yeah, when he exactly, keeps yeah. teasing him himself and he loses yeah. his right. No, totally. You see it come out. He's also in a film with uh, Robin Williams. I think it's called Father of the Year, where Robin Williams is the father of this family. He passes away, so they're all fighting over the will. And Dinklage, out of nowhere, is one of the kids. And he's just the meanest, most horrible guy you've, you've ever met. It's not a very good film, but he's excellent. The bit that I think sells it for me with Dinklage is, you know, right at the beginning at the Christmas party where he's walking through, because he knows exactly where the guy is that he's going to kill is. He's walking through and he's walking past all the people and he's whispering in their ears, describing this person that he's looking for. Imagine this. It's exactly the same scene, but instead of walking through, everybody stood up. Dinklage has made everybody sit down because for his entire life he's dealt with his um, physical shortness and he's figured out how to do it. He's figured out how to be mean and menacing. So he's made them all sit on the floor and he's walking through them and he's he's either at eye level or higher with an assault rifle. Oh, my goodness. I I think he'd be so good. With your... uh Mountain, yeah, and he's in charge of the mountain. That's why, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see why you did that now. Okay. Yeah, but I'd still have Sean Harris next to to Peter Dinklage as Carl. As, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still have them be... two together. What's they, great they, about they, that? Badass team. Yes, <laughs> yes. It'd almost be like Dinklage has got Sean Harris on a leash. Yeah, if I un- Rottweiler. When I unfasten this leash, you don't want to see you're this a guy dead man. Off. Yeah, yeah. So that power dynamic is is the one way I think Sean Harris would actually have worked is it too late to change your mind it's too late oh. <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen yeah he's excellent though. is an absolutely stone cold if I had not got this one today the strop I would have had this morning I was texting a friend of ours and I said oh we're recording one today we're doing Die Hard he texted back straight away Mads Mikkelsen for Hans Gruber and I said please don't text anybody he's got that thing where he's classy but he's a mean bastard. do you know what I mean by that where mm. He's he's calm, like Sean Harris, that thing of still waters, you know, where you think you don't want to rock the boat. And Mads Mikkelsen's got that. And in the James Bond film, yep. very similar. He's, he's so quiet. There's yeah. that bit where he's got um, Daniel Craig strapped oh, to yeah. the chair with no bottom in. 
Yeah. And he's got the knotted rope to hit him in the nuts. Menacing. And you think to yourself, that is a naughty. Yeah. It's, in the old days of James Bond where they put a laser on a table 30 foot away. Yeah. And he'd be making his way towards his nuts. That's child's play mean. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm going to do, I'm going to knot a big boat rope and I'm just going to hit you square on in the nuts and you're going to feel it straight away. There's no escape time because I'm just going to stand hitting you in the nuts. <laughs> I, I think Mads Mikkelsen is one of them people who's got an evil look like... Michael Shannon, like Alan Rickman, he is evil just by looking at him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everything I've seen him in, he's bad guy. Uh, Doctor Strange, Casino Royale. Mads Mikkelsen is going to win the public vote here by 80%. When mm-hmm. we put it out, because yeah. he's got that stone-cold European bad guy look. I love him. Mm-hmm. But again, I think if they were rewriting it, and I don't disagree with choosing Mads Mikkelsen, put that out there first. It doesn't need to be Eastern European. No, it doesn't need no, to no, be, no, but... No. As a terrorist. As a fit. Yeah. I thought oh, You can get terrorists everywhere now, Rog. That's it. That's the thing. I thought Name a country. Pick, uh, <laughs> exactly. Oh, Christoph yeah. Waltz. I thought that was going to be the go-to, Christoph Waltz. He was the first one that came up, and I thought, even though I've never picked him, I don't And think. I think he could do it. Well, Mads Mikkelsen's been a James Bond bad guy. Now, my other name on here was Javier Bardem. Right. And right. Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it, Hans Gruber is a James Bond bad guy. Yeah, he is. He's what James Bond bad guys became. Yeah, so... They're a bit more caricature before Hans Gruber. Um, There you go. It went to a double trouble. I'm so chuffed because there was so much pressure on me for that one before I, I spent a week with that name in the bag. And uh, I'm really happy with that one. Same with me and Dinklage. I thought, I thought oh. you went for it. I would have loved Peter. That's Dinklage. why I pretended I didn't know he was. <laughs> Just winding you up. That's good. I love the poker face. (laughs) Fancy Reboot Podcast. Let's move on to our final character today, guys. It's this one. John McLean is a down-a-heel cop who is hoping to patch things up with his wife but ends up dangling from skyscrapers, falling down lift shafts, taking on loads of baddies and desperately needing a clean vest. And a fair few band-aids for his feet. There we go. Our final character today is the leading man. I don't want to say one of um, Bruce Willis's most iconic roles because I think Bruce Willis is uh, he's done so much. Got him. Sixth Sense is an amazing film. Moonlight was fantastic. He's done everything, hasn't he? Looper, he's good. Yeah. I think yeah. he still looks good. And I'll tell you when he played. Was he Jennifer Aniston's dad yeah. in Friends? What a role! Fantasy reboot. Fact check. In season six of Friends, Willis portrayed Paul Stevens, the overprotective father of Elizabeth, Ross's much younger girlfriend, and a fact check. Bruce Willis still looks the same, but his acting is, is he's just gone, his career's gone downhill now. And he, oh, he was always known in the 80s for that little side smirk. And I feel like that smirk's actually behind his ear now. He's gone right back up there. Can we say how great his voice is, though? I love his voice. And it's not like a particularly deep or, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not what you would think of as a great, great voice. But Bruce Willis's voice is excellent. What he pulls off that I hate to see other people doing is talking to himself in the third person. Brilliant. Come on, John. Yes. Why are we here, John? Oh, I yes. didn't like that. No, I, didn't, but, I, I get what you're saying. He, he did pull it off, but... I oh. think he does it well. It's all nice in here at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> but I wonder how it's going to be in a moment. It's let's a turn. Let's name some names. Leo. I've gone for Bill Hader. I've gone for Donald Glover. I've gone for Mark Wahlberg. 
I've gone for Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, okay, so... What are you laughing at there? Tom Cruise, he's nearly 60. And? Still a badass. And he is still, still a doing his own stunts. But if he's married to Jessica Chastain. Yeah, but again, he can get away with it. He's got, he doesn't look... Think about the girls they put in Mission Impossible yeah. films. Yeah, I, They're I, never I find, I find that weird in the Mission Impossible films. Me too, and James Bond these days as well. Weird. If it feels like he's yeah. got like a contract saying he should be with young women in, in the films, but I don't know. Well, no, because if they put sixty-year-old women in the films, no, no, they, they, they wouldn't they, have the appeal. No, they put like really young actresses in, in it, like while he's like sixty, and it's like he could be their dad, and it's, it doesn't work well with the feminist angle. But I don't know. But he's still doing well with it. Mission Impossible. Yeah, no, still, he, he can still. He they're can still, still massive. Look, he's still making another Mission Impossible movie that's going to be coming out. I mean, gosh, he's probably fitter than most of us in this room. He does 100% fitter than Definitely. all of us. Definitely. He and the things that he's willing to do, you know, he risks his life in these films. Oh yeah, I agree with the that. Yeah. I think physically, it doesn't matter that he's he's older than the rest of them. No, 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 no. Yeah, he can still do the stunts and everything, I'm sure. And I'm pretty sure he'd still look great in a vest. As John McClane's the cop from New York at 58, you're looking at retirement. But he doesn't. But but you don't think of. I don't think you think of Tom Cruise like that in I, Mission Impossible. I, I do you, I, is that how you look at him? Do you yeah. think? Oh, he's too old to be running round. Because basically, Die Hard is Mission Impossible in one building. It's a good, great tagline for the film. If it's Tom I Cruise mean, in it, that is a great tagline. <laughs> but it is. It is. That's that's what this film is. And see, here's the funny thing: you couldn't see Bruce Willis still doing this because he's still doing action films, but he has aged. Whereas Tom Cruise yeah. is still doing films like Die Hard, yeah, even though he's 58. He looks you, like you an couldn't see. T- he d- he you doesn't look 58, though. You couldn't see Bruce Willis doing this in 1988 when it was made. People laughed at it. Well, so that's why I think Tom Cruise is a bad call. I think you need somebody who's not the action hero. Yeah, yeah, that, every that, every action at the time, every action film was Sly Stallone, Burt Reynolds, Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Caan. They give it to all of those, and no, you're right. And and Bruce Willis was a complete left field shout. And I don't think but, Tom, but Tom Tom Cruise is not like a down worked on his be- luck cop. He's yeah. like worked because he's- I guarantee Tom Cruise has got a six pack now at 58, at 33 or whatever. When when he was playing John McClane, Bruce Willis didn't have a six pack, and that's why he's like, 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 he's, like he's every man. He's every man. But I think Bruce Willis. I, I actually thought he seemed like, looked quite fit. Like I did think he did look that. And he I think- was, but his role is a cop who's been on the job for a good while, so he's not retiree age cop. But nope. then, and I don't want to keep going back to this about Tom Cruise because if Tom Cruise can still be doing what he's doing at fifty eight, yeah, he could pull this. I I'm not I, voting no, for him no, at I the totally moment. I think I, I. But let's get back to the character because. He's a normal guy put in the wrong situation. Tom Cruise is not a normal guy. He's like Tom Cruise is the right man at the right time. And thank God Tom Cruise was here. He's going to save the building. John McClane is like, that guy? But Tom Cruise can play normal guy. Not anymore. Doesn't. You don't think he... I think he's... Tom Cruise is a good enough actor that he can play normal guy. He can't can't play the schleppy... Like You've you've got to remember as well, John McClane's just got off a five-hour flight... Six o'clock shadow takes his shoes off because someone on the plane's told him to walk around on carpet. Like he's he's a bit of a sheep at the beginning, and steps up. Whereas Tom Cruise is getting on a plane, business class, commanding the room. Like Tom Cruise is is he's yeah. not my John McClane. I think what we all think now is whenever you hear there's a new Mission Impossible film coming out, I can't believe he's still doing it. I can't believe the stunts he's still doing, and. 
Yeah, but if you that's look, what you think. Yeah. You know, you're like, God, the guy's nearly 60 and he's still hanging off airplanes. because I don't, because I see the ones that are coming out now and I think, in my head, he actually doesn't look any different to Mission Impossible number one. But obviously when you look back, he does. But in my head, when I see it, I, I, I don't think that. And But the point these guys are making, and I think this is where I kind of agree is, Tom Cruise is the coolest man in the world. Bruce Willis is the coolest man in the pub. Yep. In that room full of cops who have got pot bellies, Bruce is, no, no, let me explain. Bruce is, you know, when you see New York cops, it's a stereotypical thing, but all the managers are falling apart. The job's dead to them. Half of them are bent. And and he fought, if the fact that he basically fought this battle by himself. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, but I get get what you're saying, but that's why I didn't see John McClane like that. I saw John McClane as this big hero. Like, I was going to pick Chris Evans, but then I thought, that's not the character. No, it's not. It's not. And Tom Cruise as well, if his wife had got the job opportunity that she got, Tom Cruise is the kind of character that would have gone and wouldn't wouldn't have stayed in New York and wouldn't have made the bad decision. Tom Cruise always makes the right decision. Tom Cruise is assertive. Yeah. When you see him in films, in Vanilla Sky, he's assertive. Yeah. In uh, Show Me the Money, uh, Jerry Maguire, he's assertive. In The Firm, he's assertive. He's a lawyer. A Few Good Men, he's assertive. I love him to bits, and I wouldn't be sad to see Tom Cruise in a Die Hard film, but I will argue the points you're making with these guys because I don't think he's too old to do it. No, no, I'm I think not he's saying still... he's too. I'm, I'm saying he's too old by character. He, by actor, he, he looks fine, but by the character, it, he's not right. He's not right. I'd be less intimidated about meeting Bruce Willis than I would Tom Cruise. No way. Oh, yeah. big time. No, no. I, yeah. No, not not in a fight. I I think if you're going to fight Bruce Willis. But this is Bruce Willis has become more of an action star in that film. He wasn't. He had, yeah. he had no profile for for movies. Like he'd done two yeah. dodgy comedies. Like, like has, yeah, I agree with Moonlight. you. He has become that action star. But that's how I saw him. And and the only other person on there that to me that has got that ability to be that action guy in a vest is is Mark Wahlberg. The other two, Leo, your choice of Bill Hader. I, I can't. I, that's a really strange choice to me. Okay, like, I, I, okay well, I, I, listen, because we were actually supposed to be starting with Leon. Yeah. We've just done a good 15-minute riff on Tom Cruise, <laughs> who, by the way, I'm not discounted in any way at the moment. But wow, that went turn into a bit of a Tom Cruise fest. It's Michael right, Shannon. Bill Hader, I want to tell you straight off the bat, is such a weird choice. You tell me why I'm wrong. Okay, he's, he's done this show called Barry, where it's like he's playing a depressed hitman. So he's like... He's got the body type in that show. He's like a little bit fat, but he also gets into fights. He's like a rough guy. And that's the thing. Bill Hader's not action star. He's he's a normal guy. And he he fits into the cop part fine in Superbad. And in the new It film, he, he plays like one of the, the kids who've got older. Yeah. And he's like, he's again playing like this kind of unhappy uh, with his life. like, And he's trying to like re- reclaim it. And I can't, just can't see him like rolling round and no, but that, that's what I mean. I, I couldn't. But then I saw this show, and he and he's playing like this proper like hitman getting into fights, and he's he does it very well. And he's but he's not very buff. No, exactly. Uh, um, but he, I think Bruce he, Willis he's got is. he's got a bit of a belly, and he's got like, got muscles. He's Bruce Willis isn't and wasn't and was laughed at in when they saw him in trailers. Like he wasn't the action hero. Well, so he looks. You've I got mean, to get away from. But, but, but that's how I see it. That's how I, when I watched that film, that's how I saw him. Yeah. I saw him as this fit, 
toned guy who was this action hero. So I am seeing this role, maybe totally different to you, but, yeah, yeah, but that's how like. I've seen it. Well, I was, when this film came out, I was a teenager and I did as well, if I'm honest. Mm. He was so cool in Moonlighting and he's playing a private eye in it. So it's kind of... And that's what they wanted. That's yeah. what they wanted somebody, though it is why they didn't want Bruce Willis. But actually, I think Bruce Willis is that. But it wouldn't have worked with the people that they offered it to. It wouldn't have become, it would have become... Cobra and Rocky and all that, which are a bit kitsch and a bit cheesy. If you had any of the people they offered it to, it's yeah, Bruce Willis right. makes Die Hard, and that's why I think you need. I mean, Charlie Scambino slash Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. He acts in Atlanta. He's got levels, and we've seen him in Soul. He's just he's so talented and funny. Yep, very funny, funny, very funny which, guy. Which yeah, those one-liners, a, a lot of them were improvised, so they might leave that open to him as well. Um, and he was in Hans Solo, the Star Wars story, when he turns up as um, Lando. Lando, I felt like a like an applause in in the auditorium of, oh, he's perfect. For yeah, that. yeah, I mean? good fit. You good want fit. you want to then see that backstory of Lando, so. On the strength of that, I picked him because he's kind of got the right profile in terms of silhouette profile. Like he's slightly yeah. out, slightly out uh-huh. of shape, but young enough to be able to do the action scenes. Can act. Did he have a vest on in the This Is America on. video? And he that's what swung it for me. I was going to say it's he's dressed vest. like John McClane <laughs> in that video. It's the vest video. and no shoes in This Is America. Yeah. And I was like, there's my John McClane. How old is he? I don't know. I imagine he's in his 30s, but he looks young. Probably. He does look young. And yeah. I think for this role... When I put in Mark Wahlberg, first of all, I'm thinking, right, I've got Drew Barrymore as his wife. That's a great fit. I, you know, I was thinking, oh, right, yeah, yeah. putting him together I like that. I thought you were going to say Adam Sandler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, not not actually. But, right, we all know that when he's got his shirt off, Mark Wahlberg is, well, he's like a little pit bull, isn't he? But how many times has he played? Yeah, departed. A cop? A yeah, se- yeah. Well, he's played a serious cop. He's played the idiot cop. He's been in films. Uh, he's great in the other guys. Yes, that's the one of the funniest films. And he's been in the one with Tina Fey. Oh, Date Night. Yeah, yeah. He's whilst on the one hand he's a bodybuilder and he's yeah, mega yeah, fit yeah. and all of this sort of stuff. He's very good at playing that Boston. I don't think New York would be a stretch for him. No, no. He's a really good fit as a John McClane. Uh, you can see him taking on hands in a fight almost. I mean. He's a small guy, actually. So him against... Who did we pick? We picked... Uh, Half-top Johnson, the mountain. Him against the mountain in a fight. You would have exactly <laughs> the same reaction as you would to Bruce Willis and Carl. Yeah. Tom McLean and Carl in the first one. Uh, he's likeable. He's funny. He can do serious. He's been good cop, bad cop. So he was a he was a shoo-in for this one for me. For, for me... Because he is, like you said, the bodybuilder. That's what fits for me, which is going it, against what you two have said. I, 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 think, I think they'd tell him to... Lose some of the I don't, muscle. I don't I think, think they would. I don't think somewhere. they'd have him looking like Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. No, I think they'd but, want which him. Which he still does. He still looks like Marky yeah. Mark and the yeah. Funky but Bunch. But for him to do he's that, got the same haircut. You, I bet you're looking at two months of not gymming and eating a few carbs. I, he might, gosh, not, he I might not even totally, want to do that. I did not even notice that Bruce Willis wasn't toned. To me, he's not. He's not toned. He's, no, he's just. But in he's, my, a, he's average. He, he's not like sliced alone, which was the action. No, but I don't time. think it's the whole point of the character. He's yeah, just average, and he's I think average. John, he's, he's every man. Where does it say that? Where does it give that across? He's every man. He's every man. But when he gets the, off the plane, 
He's got a car. He's got a woolen cardigan yeah. jumper but, number and on. He doesn't know why. He says to the guy, "I don't know why I've been like, invited to this Christmas party." See, I he's, took he's, it he's that he man. was, and, and from the comments that his wife was saying, you know, the lines that she was coming uh, out with. If he if he's annoying people, he's still yeah. Alive. So it, so, but so that's, that's I a wife took to it husband. as that's every no, no, man. No, yeah, I get that, but I also took it the the whole thing with him. I took it as he was this doing really well as this cop in New York. And then, uh, and then his, his wife is going through a divorce with him. Yeah, yeah because yeah. he didn't want her to have a career. That's how I. But took she's it. leaving him behind. Yeah, he's a loser. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is, yes, yeah. I agree with that. But that doesn't take away from him being this top dog, buff. He's not top dog. That's but that's how I saw him, and so that's why, in my mind, he basically saves the day. If you like, he is. So that's how I saw Bruce Willis, and I didn't think that he was this. Just a dad who was out of shape. I didn't see that character. I think what you're describing there is the difference between Rocky and Rocky Three. In Rocky, Sylvester Stallone is not a big, muscly. He's just a guy who works in a meatpacking factory who stumbles into boxing, and he actually, in the end of Rocky, spoiler alert, forty-year-old, he loses. Mm. In Rocky Three, he's covered in baby oil and has got rippled muscles. And that's the difference. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, I'm not even talking about like, like Tom Cruise doesn't have that. Honestly, I'm not just saying that because I've picked Tom Cruise. In my mind, I see Bruce Willis more towards your Sylvester Stallone type than like, I do Tom Cruise. He's, he's never, he's never oh. been. See, like but, Tom but, Cruise in Top Gun when he takes no, his shirt off at volleyball, no. he's like a little bulldog. Yeah, yeah, like he he's toned, he's toned, but he's not big. He's not big. He's not like, big. In not every big. action film, Tom Cruise is going to save the day. Bruce Willis just happens... To be yeah, at a place where there is danger. Of course, of course, because so, it, it wouldn't be the story it is. Yeah, if, no, no, but this, if, every Tom Cruise film is him going to, yeah. he's yeah. being the hero. He's, but I think, Bru- but for Bruce me... Bruce Willis the, isn't the hero. John McClane's going to apologise no, to he, he doesn't start off as the yeah, hero. Tom Cruise starts off as well, a hero. That's a good point. Tom Cruise is a hero. Bruce Willis is a reluctant hero. Yeah. He, he's, he doesn't want to be... Tom Cruise would take on that mission with a plum. Straight away. Assertive, like you've He'd said. He'd start it. I think I am seeing a different film to you guys in general. By the sounds like, of it, you're reading away. Is I, I have a totally different... It's I, the very joy of the podcast, though, guys. Yes, indeed. But the it's very, very frustrating sitting here, be, like, when you have a different vision. And, I he, to, and he's not supposed to be, like, the smartest. Tom Cruise would make himself the smartest. Like, Hans Gruber just tricks him. He pretends he's a different guy. Ah, right? no, no, no. See, I think yeah. he is smart. I think he... That's the whole... He does a few good tricks in it. Like, he's, he's just got a normal cop. That's it. Oh. No, I don't the, see him. The, the Christmas seller tape on the back is a Genius. move. Genius. <laughs> I think Mark Wahlberg and Tom Cruise are of a similar, they're, they're both toned men. That's what I'm saying. And I see this character more as that. I, when, when I think I of don't. Mark Wahlberg, I don't think action star Tom Cruise. Like you can't, for the last 20 years, he, he's not done nothing but action films. But this is an action film. No, yeah, but, no, but, 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 but John McClane isn't an action hero. Oh, but he is. He oh, no, 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 he has become an action hero. He's become, it has become a benchmark for action films. Yeah. And it actually took us out of what yes. Roger's saying there is yeah. the 80s had been solid muscle. But yeah. maybe this is the difference because I have se- I've seen it now, knowing that Bruce Willis is his action star, right? And, I, and th- so I'm watching this film as Bruce Willis, the action star, the buff guy. That's how I see Bruce Willis. That's how I saw him in this film. I feel like we could go round on this mm, one. Yeah. I really do. Well, obviously, Tom's out of the running. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm Same with Carl. We've got two halves here. Yeah. Because, because Tom Cruise, he's not come up in anything yet, really. 
No, and, and, and I put, because uh, I thought this was the perfect role for him, because I can see him doing the twists, the turns, the rollings, that he, he'd probably do the bloody um, I think vent, even ventful himself. Even he 15 years been. ago, when he would have probably been perfect age bracket, he was too cool. Yeah, he's... he's and, and again, Bruce Willis is like your coolest mate. Tom Cruise, there's no getting away from, in every film... He's Tom. He's he's a star, mega star, Hollywood Tom Cruise, Scientology Tom Cruise. Whereas, but that's the films we're making. We're making it with the best possible actors and the no, best. But, no, 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 no. That's wrong. We're making it for who we think's best for the yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think Tom Cruise is right for John McClane. Okay, well, that's, that's I. I could totally as, see as great as Tom is, and I think all he's is, brilliant. Is He's not right for this. Routines that he does in Mission Impossible. I, I think, think he's awesome. I think that's what it would be a Bruce Mission, Willis it, it does would be in a Die Mission Hard. Impossible spy film if he was in it. Hey, it wouldn't be a bad film with Tom Cruise in. No film's bad with Tom Cruise in. Exactly. If right, they, it wouldn't be Die Hard. Right, imagine the conversation. But it wouldn't be I, Die Hard, I, I agree. I think you've got to put all of these names into that conversation, which you and I have, Leo, all the time, where you go, have you seen they're doing a new Die Hard? It's Mark Wahlberg. Have you seen they're doing a new Die Hard? It's Donald Clover's playing John McGray. It, That's a conversation you need to have in your head and think. Yeah, and and they've done this with Tom Cruise. To they've tried this with Tom Cruise, or Tom Cruise was a producer on Jack Reacher, which are loved books and stories, absolutely loved. But physically, he's completely it. wrong for Jack Reacher, and everyone that loves Jack Reacher as a novel hates that film. They're they're average films. They're just normal fare because Tom Cruise was wrongly cast, but he cast himself because he was a producer. He was wrong for that role, and he's wrong for this role. As great of a story as Jack Reacher is. Hundreds of books, absolutely fantastic. Tom Cruise was wrongly cast. Physically, the guy's described as a six foot seven bulldog, as you've described him. Tom Cruise isn't that. I, I would honestly love to see Bill Hader or Donald Glover. Bill Hader, he's becoming serious. That's the ballpark you need for John McClane, I think. And I love so Mark Wahlberg. because I can't see either of them. I love Mark Wahlberg. I could watch him in anything except I think for again. I genuinely think for this, he's perfect. I just I think he's, he's too clean cut. Mark Wahlberg. He's, he's done tons of films where he's not though. In real life, he is. He always Jim, looks pretty Jim well shaved. No, no, he always looks pretty well shaved, cropped hair. Whereas when John McClane what gets about off the, the plane, he needs see, to I don't be think of Mark Wahlberg wrecked. as clean cut. Hold at on. All. What about the films where he's the with Will Ferrell, where he's the other dad? What's that film called? Daddy's Home. He comes in as he's rough and ready. He is John McClane in I've that film. I've always thought of Mark. He is, he's not because he's too. He's too muscly. He's no, great. no, he's, he's a muscly guy. He's a muscly guy, but clean shaven and good hair. John McClane. I, see, I think I've always thought of, I think Mark Wahlberg, I've always thought of him as rough and ready. I feel like... Yeah. He, he shouldn't be because he is he, he is, solid. He Boston. is, if you think about him and his brother, his brother was, for me, the clean-cut guy in New Kids on the Block. He was the rough and ready one that wanted to get away from that and has become this action hero film star. That's how I see Mark Wahlberg. Right, guys, different, I think different we're going to have to stop. <sighs> yeah. And I don't think... It's been such a good one so far, but I don't think anyone's willing to give on this one. Leo, you're voting first. Uh, Donald Glover. Roger. Bill Hader. I've gone for Tom Cruise, honestly. I've gone for Mark Wahlberg. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, look, this is going to be a really interesting call to the Oracle. Hi. We are picking the part of John McClane. He's the main part in Die Hard, played by Bruce Willis. And it's a four-way split, so I'm going to give you four actors' names to play John McClane. Are you ready, the Oracle? Yeah. Bill Hader. Donald Glover. Mark Wahlberg. 
Tom Cruise. So that's your four names, the Oracle. Who should play John McClane in Die Hard? Donald Glover. Oh! <laughs> Thank you very much. There you go. The Oracle has spoken. He and knows. I think he was the best one. <laughs> I am surprised. I'm surprised, but yeah. over the moon. Roger wins on the last one there, which means for the part of Carl, the henchman, we went for Rog. Have Tor Bjornsson, a.k.a. the mountain. And it's funny because what you've done there is put a big beefcake Right, and I don't see this character as that. I see the opposite. He's a henchman. He's, he's not the everyman. He's the heavy. He's no. the muscle. No, he's, he's not an everyman. He's the experienced not. terrorist. And, and the original Carl is not that. Oh, he's, he's very tall. He's tall, compared but he's to, a skinny. He's, he's physi- a skinny little. Uh, physically, more, much more threatening than. He's a skinny John ballet but, dancer. Okay, okay, is Tom Cruise the everyman? I think he can play it. Yes, no, no. he's uh, he's done so many. When films. was the last time he did that? I don't know when, with, but he can. No, doesn't matter that he's not done it in the last... Because he can't anymore, because he's too Tom Cruise. No, I think no. that role's coming. As he gets older, when he can't do action anymore, I think he'll surprise us all and do... Because he's done films forget- where he's... Oh, God, he's... Done that, that make, that, it underlines the fact that he's not right for John McClane as well. Because by the time he plays the everyman, he can't do the action. I can't believe we're still going back to Tom Cruise. Well, you told me to run through the bloody no, characters no, you and you're all butting in. <laughs> Okay, right, you butted in. I just said that. Is I, that why you told me to run through them so you could tell no, us I all why they fit I with Tom Cruise? I, no, no, no. I didn't bring up Tom Cruise on this. <laughs> yes, you did. I you said, said that, and you went that. You've done exactly what I you, said. Both guys. He doesn't fit as Carl because he's too much of a beefcake. I said. And you the said original, we've done that because no. And then I got the Tom Cruise attack again. I didn't bring up Tom Cruise. I'm saying <laughs> their their point about Tom Cruise, right? Is but that, that's what you said. But I didn't say the name Tom Cruise. They did. <laughs> I said that this guy, Haftor Bjornsson, is too much of a beefcake to play Carl because Carl I is agree with you. a skinny ballet dancer who is more coming from the mind, which Sean Harris he's should have been. All. He's not at all. He wants to shoot John McClane and kill him. Yes, but he's, he's not got, coming from he's, the mind. No, he is. Is he going to do it by mind He's control? stupid. He, he just goes about with a chainsaw and smacking things In about. my version, yes. he's dark. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about updating it. But we did say we'd update it. I've updated it. <laughs> um, right. Please let me get through these five characters here. So, Haftor Bjornsson in the part of Carl, uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones playing Carl. Um, Sergeant Al Powell, we went for Leslie Jones, which was my Good um, choice. Good choice. Uh, suggestion there. Holly McLean, Holly Gennaro, the, um, John McLean's wife, we went for Laura's choice of Jessica Chastain. And uh, which I think we all agree is a great one. Yeah. Hans Gruber was a double trouble. For, uh, his first one this week, we had Mads Mikkelsen from Me and Leo on that one. And uh, for the last three days, it seems, John McClane, we've <laughs> argued back and forth, but Donald Glover has got it. I don't think I'd be disappointed seeing Donald Glover on a Die Hard poster or a trailer be, for Die Hard. He'd be great. I can't he'd be great. And he's got a bit of a belly. Exactly. What, what's this? Fantasy Reboot Podcast. Are you saying that I could play? I don't see Bruce Willis. I don't see rather than Tom Cruise. I do not see John McClane as having belly. I don't. I see him as a fit guy. Who are we talking about now, me or John McClane? What's going on? What's going on? I do not. (laughs) You watched a different film. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Imagine me in that air convent, though. I'm stuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's tapping it with his rifle. But I'm by, on this bit, stop poking by me. By the fifth film, maybe, maybe third film, he becomes what you're describing. But I've not seen those films. Yeah, and but this is what I'm saying, though. He's not that at the start of this yeah. film. Yeah. But why can't he be? Because it's a different film. You're making a mission possible then. Because no. of his backstory. Because of his backstory. I'm having to spray so, a bit of Christmas because so you guys to... are twisting me melanie. It's beginning to smell a lot like Christmas. Right. I know. I've got. Don't take your headphones off, you. She's about to take her headphones off in oh. a strobe. <laughs> right. A lovely episode, guys. It was. <laughs> and, of course, our first Christmas episode... I think that was great. I think this is going to be one that we're talking about for a long time. <laughs> if you've got any feedback on it, do drop us a line, fantasyreboot at gmail.com. You can always hit us up at fantasyreboot on the Twitter. Give us a follow. And we're going to be back for our next Christmas film next Wednesday. And whilst everybody is up in the air as to whether Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas film, I think we can say, without a doubt, our next film is definitely yeah. a oh, Christmas yes. film. 100% our <laughs> Christmas film. But before we go, Die Hard, could it be a Muppets film? Yes. 100% yes. Could you see Die Hard as a Muppets film, really? Yeah. I mean, you want to. Yeah, it, it would have, like, cartoon explosions with, like, now, toy dynamite. Who, who are you picking as your lead, though, guys? Because there's no muscly, um, there's no muscly I don't know. Muppets. No, hold on, before we go any further, I'm going to say something here, because we normally say it's got to be the leading man who's the human character. I think in this film, we met Hans Gruber, the human character. Yes, because, because the Muppets they did that with Scrooge. Him. So, yeah, absolutely agree with that. So we've got Mads Mikkelsen as mm-hmm. Hans Gruber. Mm-hmm. Who's your cast? Who are you looking at? Fuzzy Bear. As? John McClane. Yep. I'm telling you, oh. Rolf, Rolf the dog is Sergeant Powell. See, oh. now you yes! Just, now you just said that because you've gone for somebody who's not fit... Show me a fit Muppet. Carl is Sam the Eagle. Gets a lot of... Ro- Sweetums is quite Carl, though. Sweetums. On the side here, on the back wall. Miss Piggy can be the wife. No problem with that. I don't normally like putting her in the lead, but I can see her as Holly Gennaro, and I can see her smacking the news reporter. Yes. Uh, on the way out, she's got the hi-ya. Gonzo's the news reporter, then. Scooter is the computer programmer guy. Oh, yes. Limo driver, Gonzo. I'm struggling to see this one as a as a Muppet movie. Oh yeah, yeah, because you dialed that after Tom Cruise. I, I have, I have, yes, but also <laughs> a Muppet movie's got to be a kids movie, and I, I, oh, I could see the Muppets doing a parody of it. Yeah, definitely. Kermit's not even in it. Oh, Kermit's not in it. <laughs> not even in it, is it? All right, that'll do for this week. So um, we are going to be back with another Christmas film next week. Very, very Christmassy one. Uh, so have a wonderful week. Hope you've got your tree up. Hope you're feeling festive. Stay in touch and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. You have been listening to Fantasy Reboot Podcast with Simon Smedley, Laura Smedley, Roger Pryor and Leo Kirby. Editing and production by Simon Smedley and Roger Pryor and music by Simon Smedley. Email us at fantasyreboot at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Reboot. For all the latest news, information on where you can get involved and regular votes so you can have your say on our choices and add your own. Have a great week, watch some films and fantasise, but not too much. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. That was good. Now I have a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs>
couldn't concentrate, Roger, because I was looking at that picture. <laughs> what is, why doesn't Kevin Hart wear high heels? Why did they make him famous? <laughs> too little, too little to be famous. He's used that joke though in every film though, so it's prov- it provided him material. He must get his suits handmade. You can't buy a suit like that for a kid. What a great suit that is! It's a great suit. The detail of the black buttons finishes it off perfectly. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> why are you showing us that? Because I was searching her, and that came up, and I'm like, "Who's that little fellow on thumbnail?" 